Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, 2022 human listeners. Yes, greetings indeed. Um, Just in case you have forgotten, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. You can find our work all over the internet. And today we're being um, joined by another friend and fellow automotive journalist, Chad Kirchner. Chad, can you say hi to the people? You're looking for the right action verb there. You're just like, uh, joined. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Hey, guys. Happy New Year. It's been a little while. It's been too long. Let's, well, I appreciate uh, I appreciate having me on. Yeah, let's quickly run down where you can find everyone's work. Ben, tell them where they can find your work. Uh, you can find my work on at, at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Inside Hook, and at Driving Line. And Chad, why don't you tell them where they can find all of your wicked work? Um, I'm in a lot of places, but really my main focus these days is running um, the website EV Pulse, which is evpulse.com. And uh, if people were still interested in finding my work, you can find it at driving.ca, as well as autotrader.ca, TechSpot, and Nouveau Magazine. Ben, we've got a loaded episode today, and uh, I had to bring Chad on the on the podcast because I wanted to hear his thoughts about a particular EV that we'll be talking about later in the podcast, but also um, a, a pickup truck that I spent a decent amount of time in, the new Ford Maverick. Ben, you've got to be interested in this. this there was a hype train that was... That was Right on time when it came to the Maverick. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was quite the Pat Sajak introduction to the Maverick. So, yeah, so it's uh, – what is this, I Amy? Mean, it's, it's a front-wheel drive pickup. Is that right? And if you if you stick with front-wheel drive, it's a hybrid. And if you decide to go turbo, it's all-wheel drive. Have I covered all the bases there? That's all you know about, that's all you know about this truck. <laughs> well, I, to be fair, I'm not the one who drove it. So Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's very interesting about this uh, Ford Maverick. Uh, they, just, they... just to be clear, he was right. Yes, yes he was <laughs> let's, right. Let's, let's... Yeah, Sammy just blew past uh, validating I don't me. like confirming Ben's knowledge. Come on. Everyone knows for... that he's right. I'm here for the listeners. That's all um, the, it is really interesting because I think Ford just showed up with the Maverick and said, here's a small pickup truck. It is front-wheel drive based. It's available with all-wheel drive. You can get it as a hybrid, and it starts at about $25,000. Boom, here you go. Yeah, and, and they also, they, it's kind of like, hey, they showed up with this pickup truck to distract us from the fact that they don't make small cars or any cars right. at all anymore. That's well, right. And but and to build on to Ben's point, though, is they did replace that $20,000 car with a $20,000 truck. Yeah. yeah. Because, um, I mean, it starts at nineteen nine. Yeah, there's destination, which makes it twenty one and a half, twenty one even, something like that. But um yeah, you get a forty miles to the gallon, like easily. I mean it's EPA rated at forty, but like you get a forty miles per gallon crew cab, you know, utility vehicle for twenty thousand dollars. With the most adorable with the most adorable steel wheels ever. So, and but, so I think that's exactly what happened. They showed up with all of these specs, all of this information really quickly. And people, I think, jumped on this, onto this bandwagon. Um, I think there were a lot of reservations. There were a lot of people waiting for their models. So I was really excited to get into one and start driving it. I had it over the, the Christmas break. I had a, a, an extended drive with it. And I have to say, it, it took me on a roller coaster of a ride in terms of feelings. Um, and I think you guys would be really interested to hear um how that how that went and and roller uh, coaster yeah i'm always down for roller coasters but i do want to point something out and 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 chad alluded to it when he was talking about steel wheels 
So we're talking about a $20,000 truck, but we're also talking about a very base model vehicle. This is not like a $20,000 version of a $15,000 subcompact hatchback where you get some niceties inside. This is a truck that has those steel wheels, and it also has an interior that every time you look at it is going to remind you that it costs $20,000. Is, is that correct? I disagree. Okay. Um, I like. I don't think the interior feels expensive, don't get me wrong, but I don't think that it feels particularly cheap. They like to rubberize a lot of stuff to kind of make it seem more durable, and I think that, that adds a lot to it. Um, also, standard, you get an 8-inch screen, so the 8-inch um, sync screen is standard, uh, which includes wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, um, which is really all you care about. Um, autonomous emergency braking. Every model has LED headlights. Um, every model has automatic climate control. Um, I believe every model has heated seats, but don't quote me on that. So you're saying but it's not quite the penalty box I'm painting it out to be. It's not. There's someone who hasn't been inside there's, one. <laughs> there's one penalty box item which I, which drives me mad. Um, there's no cruise control Whoa. for some reason. So on the XL trim, there's just nothing. Now you can on XLT, it comes with cruise control, obviously, and you can go as far as getting Ford's Copilot 2.0, which is adaptive cruise and all of that stuff. But the $19,999 pickup truck doesn't have cruise control, which Sorry. is annoying. Was that a problem which for is- you? Which model did you have? I had the mid-trim one. I had the XLT, which is not the Lariat, which is the high-end trim, and is not the XL, which is this uh, really bargain basement model. And I have to say, I, I'm, I'm leaning. I, when I first got into the truck, I leaned closer to Ben's take on the cabin. I found it to be a little bit rugged, um, harsh, and a little bit unrefined. Some of the materials there's there just is not a soft touch material within the cabin. Um, and I, I, you know what? Visually, it looks pretty good. Just don't start rubbing it or touching it, and you'll notice that it's much harsher and it's a little like rough around the edges. So, if you wear gloves all the time, you're going to be totally fine inside the Maverick. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And and um, you shouldn't and you shouldn't rub it because it is rough around the edges. <laughs> yeah, and right. the the other thing is, I do appreciate that they like they took some effort in in kind of giving it personality. It's not like a penalty box, like a dreary kind of penalty box cabin in that case. Um, lots of splashes of color. Um, it feels like kind of warm and inviting in that way. So I think they've managed to blend the the worlds there. What you're missing, I mean, which we didn't talk about pre-show. We did talk, listeners, we did talk quite extensively. And then Ben was like, how about we record this for the show? Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, is the DIY-ness of it. So yes. if you're purchasing an inexpensive vehicle, maybe you don't have a lot of money. Um, or maybe you're somebody that would rather save some money to do it yourself than go buy a solution for it. So what Ford has cleverly done is um, they create a whole line of accessories for this truck, but then they also on their website show you all the DIY alternatives to those accessories. So if you want the uh, bike rack for the bed, you can order one through Ford accessories, or they they give you the components to go buy at um, – at like Home Depot or, or Lowe's. So you're saying that the, uh, the world is something like that. Right? The world is soon going to be filled with like homemade bike racks hanging precariously off the back of Mavericks, and I, well, it's going to be like a Ford style situation out there. It's it's it is interesting that they're willing to show you you know the steps along the way. What but, lawyer uh, signs off on that liability? Like right. <laughs> here's how you can build your I, own um, roll cage. <laughs> additionally. Um, <laughs> 
they also have I forget exactly what they call it now, but there's um there's uh, slots all throughout the truck on the inside yeah. where you can 3D print your own accessories. So if you want to have your make your own cup holder to hold a certain size cup for the back, you can. You can make your own bed or your own dividers for the underseat storage. You can do a whole this all sorts of stuff. And what Ford is actively doing is they're helping you with that process. So like I said, they'll sell you the accessories or they're going to create a repository of these 3D prints of all of this stuff. So there's actually QR codes all over the truck, including two on the bed, um, that if you just scan that, it takes you to Ford's site to, to DIY build your own how-to videos. Really, yeah, and, really and they've made it really easy. They've ran two 12 volts, um, just regular connectors to the back of the truck on each side that's easy to get to. Um, they've really, like, have... For for the for the quickest product that Ford has ever gone from design to production, which is what they were telling us, they really thought a lot through. I don't think the I don't think the interior is trash. I don't think it's premium, but I think that for again that twenty five thousand dollar price point, which is realistically where you would be with the hybrid XLT, which is what you should get. Skip the all wheel drive because the 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 front wheel drive powertrain is just better. And you're going to get all the fuel economy benefits. But Chad, so, Canada, snow, ice, come on. Well, okay. Um, no, I'm just teasing. All the drive no. is, is not not a necessity, but and, I, and I and I think the reason why there isn't an all-wheel drive hybrid is they don't have currently an all-wheel drive hybrid setup because this is based on the uh, Bronco Sport and Escape platforms. Um, so it's actually a unibody. It's a unibody truck, but um, it's running this basically the same powertrain that's in. Uh, Escape hybrid. So, so. I kind of like the idea that, you know, where so many other areas of the auto industry are going to a subscription model for features or at least threatening to yeah. do so, whereas you're going to have to pay X amount per month to keep things like heated seats or, or infotainment systems running. Ford's kind of gone in the opposite direction where they're like, not only do you not have to buy this accessory from us, but you can make this accessory on your own. And we'll uh, show you out. Yeah, and invite all your friends, and you can just do it that way. And we don't, yeah, you don't have to keep giving us money or any money at all. I think though, it's I I, I think it's brilliant. I really like the truck. Um, and you're more likely going to tell your friends about it. You're going to be like, look, I did this. Oh, look at this home improvement. Or you know, I did this project over the weekend, and I we did need, this. We need a website that's like um, Maverick fails, where it's <laughs> people tried <laughs> tried to make stuff for the truck and it just came out wrong somehow like maybe just a little bit off um also too i mean just for other truck stuff both both versions of the truck 1500 pounds of payload um and then the hybrid can tow 2000 pounds the all-wheel drive turbo can can uh 4000 pounds so um man i i'm I'm sorry to take over sammy really it's okay i'm I'm just just on cruise control himself right now. <laughs> I'm yeah, just really. I'm on the cruise control that the Maverick does not have. I'm. I'm. Yes, exactly. I'm just really blown away by it. If it was thirty grand and not twenty five for the XLT, this would be a different conversation. Yeah, but I think the more I, the more I like the the first impressions of the Maverick were not strong for me. I I got in. Uh, well, I, I first looked at it. I was like, it's not very big. It's it, you kind of like. You don't really jump up into it or, or fall down into it. You kind of just, like, get in. There's no step-in height. And then you look at the bed. You're like, that's n- – it's it's a four-and-a-half-foot bed. You're like, that's not – that doesn't look all too impressive. 
And then you start driving it, and I, I kept hearing the the motor. The motor is extremely loud in the cabin. I had that turbo motor uh, that makes about 250 horsepower. It runs it runs great. It just sounds a sure. little unrefined. But then the more time I spent with it, the more I realized like this is actually um, not a bad little truck, and that price point is its biggest asset. And for twenty five thousand dollars ish, like around that mark, you can get so many cars. And I don't know if any of them are particularly better than the Maverick in in some ways. Look, I, I ended up using it to to haul some IKEA stuff, um, some uh, like an IKEA wardrobe that had you know some six foot tall flat packs. Um, it fit in the bed no problem. I put it in that half height. And it worked real. You mean really it, you mean easily. you had to you had to have the tail, let's back up. No problem. You had to have the tailgate open partially, right? Partially. There's okay. a there's a partial. Uh, yeah, but they do have a, a half height setting. Okay. Which is which is nice. Um, yeah. If you go in it, if you go into it thinking it's going to be, if you if you're coming from any other pickup truck. Yeah. If you think it's going to be a Ranger replacement or something, it does. Uh, yeah. It's 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 not that. It it isn't that. No. Um, it's a utility. It's it's really a utility vehicle. That has this the space in the back of this bed, and and the brilliance of it from um, a Ford standpoint is all the statistics out there show that once you have a pickup truck, you always have a pickup truck. <laughs> so if they get these people in at twenty three, twenty four, twenty five grand, that would have went and bought a, a Tucson, and now they have a pickup truck, and then they use it a couple of times as a pickup truck. Now when they go to replace it, they're going to go look at an F one hundred and fifty. That makes a it's lot just, of sense. It's just how it's going to happen, and that's brilliant from from a from a company that knows how to make money from pickup trucks. That's yeah. an extremely brilliant move on their part. Cars, I don't know. I kind of still wish there was a fifteen, sixteen, seventeen thousand dollar car that you know they made, yeah. but. And, this is, uh, this is mean, their answer to that. I mean, it drove well. Um, brakes worked pretty nicely. I also threw a, uh, a washing machine in the bed as well. It was fine. Did you pay for that um, washing machine or did you just grab it from someone's house? <laughs> we don't need to talk about that, man. Um, and then, uh, you know what? Like I said, the more I drove it, the more I started like kind of getting it. I was like, this is more – look, I think sometimes we get into – we see people with three-row crossovers who would never use the third row and just want that for extra storage. And I can see the Maverick filling in that that role without having to spend so much for a three-row crossover in some cases. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean Am there's I no – is there no real – I don't think there's a three-row crossover at the Maverick size point, no. is there? No, I don't think so. No. And then, furthermore, the only thing I wish I could figure out how to do better with it was haul groceries in it, because you either have to put it in the in the bed. I didn't have a tonneau cover um, right. on my model. You, I guess I'd have to fabricate one out of like tarp or something, or cardboard <laughs> or plastic bags, anything to keep the the denizens right. of the wasteland from stealing your groceries on the way home. Exactly, yeah. um, or some sort of mesh. Uh, Bag, bag. What, what about thing? all those mesh tank tops you have? You can't make something out of those. <laughs> no, I, I, they're coming back, man. Fashion is cyclical, and I think 2022 is the year of the fashion. Is fashion a raindrop? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny that you use the terms fashion and mesh tank tops in the same paragraph. <laughs> oh come on, man! Stop, stop oh, harshing goodness. my buzz here. Well, um, Sammy, the one thing you could do is you could 3D print. Uh, um, grocery bag holders. Though yeah. I think, th- I, though I think there are some underneath the rear seats already there. Can you th- um, can that's you 3D always... print an apology letter to anyone who's forced to see you in a mesh tank top in your Maverick? <laughs> I'm sure you could. Um, the I I saw that you can lift the rear seats 
up, and there's little storage cubbies underneath. They're not exactly deep enough for my. They weren't deep enough for like. Sometimes there's. I, I haven't been in the Maverick recent enough, but sometimes on the bottom of the seat, there's actually um, grocery bag hooks. But then oh, that yeah, means so like, like if I went grocery shopping with anybody else who would sit in the back seat or something like that. They, yeah. Like, no, you're and you're I'm right. The one there. the one pickup truck issue is grocery shopping. It's the only issue that I've ever really had sort of with it because I like to be able to get into the to the back of an SUV or the front of a vehicle too. So, right. you know, maybe maybe a, a Lightning or a Silverado EV is more what you and need. Definitely if you're only shopping for groceries, you should pay for Lightning. I think that that's <laughs> that is Ford approves that message. Um and then one really small strange um complaint or experience that I had was um on the tailgate, there are these two tie-downs on the on the outer edges of the tailgate, which also act as bottle openers, as far as I understand. Yes. Um, I kept bashing my thigh into these, and it hurt so badly. Wait, how high do they stick up? They stick out. They don't stick hot. They don't stick up. They stick out in some odd way. So I kept hitting my 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 thighs into them, and um, they need a, they need like some safety feature there. I don't know what it is. The, but. My biggest complaint about the tailgate is it's not damped. Yep. So it just drops and. Yeah. I complained to everybody at that event. I was like, I need a damp tailgate. And they're like, well, it saves us money. I'm like, well, I don't need automatic climate control. Give, <laughs> give me a damp no, I'm, tailgate. I'm into it. I'm into like a, a slash bang Lamp. type of uh, tailgate yeah. because sometimes I really need to get in there quickly. And I don't want well, – true. This, the pageantry of the slow open is not something <laughs> I'm looking for. Yeah. Fair. So, Fair. so overall, like I said, it – I approached it um, as openly as possible without imagining all the hype that was going behind it. Um, I the more I the more time I spent with it, the more I saw these DIY features that you can do for yourself. The more I saw the practicality of that bed. Um, and I, I live in a in a in, in the city, and uh, I think getting around with it was surprisingly less stressful than uh, a 1500 or even something like a Ranger well, I mean, or not a Colorado. Surprisingly, it's like one third the size, right? <laughs> yeah. One third the size. Yes. It's, it's pretty tiny and it drives like, and for the most part, it drives like an escape. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, absolutely. That's Ford's new strategy. This like, everything drives like an escape Bronco sport escape itself. Now Maverick. Then we're going to yeah. see something. It's just going to be various flavors of escape. Right now. What I would like to see, I think you, one of you guys were just recently in the plug-in, um, escape the plug-in hybrid. Yeah, that, yep, was, that Sammy. was me. Yeah, um, that powertrain in Maverick would be like I would buy one. I'd, yeah, I'd go out tomorrow. Go, and buy that it. would go together really nicely. Again, no all-wheel drive, but yeah, yeah. Um, so I think truly the biggest asset of this vehicle is the price, and then the practicality and the and the the overall like charm kind of catches you by the end by the end of it. Yeah. So I mean the price the price draws you in for sure, yes. and then you're like, oh hey. Wait, I can have this for this price? Yes, I totally agree. It's not. It's by no means a luxury vehicle by any stretch. It's not, a, but, it's not like a world beater, right? Like it's not going to right. beat the pants off some other car or vehicle that you were not going to get instead. But, but if every you time, go in with an open with an open mind, you'd yeah. probably end up liking this. Yeah, and every time I saw something, I'm like, well, maybe I don't like this, and then I'm reminded, oh, the Monroe is twenty five grand. Yeah. Oh, never mind. I'm okay with this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I want to jump off the uh, the Maverick sort of bandwagon, and I want to talk about a car that I have had my googly eyes on for a while, Whoa. and that's the Hyundai Ionic Five, which Chad recently drove. Woo! 
um, the googly what? eyes are, are they eight bit googly eyes? Sure, why not? Are they LED pixelated? Sammy can't uh, see his own eyes. <laughs> okay, that's I, I see. Yeah. Um. So Ionic Five. Well, not while they're googling. Yes. Google Ionic Five is one of the first of three vehicles from the Hyundai Motor Group. Um. On the eGMP platform, which for now on I'm going to call eGIMP, even though that's not what it is. Um, the Ionic 5, EV6, and then eventually the Genesis GV60, which are all crossover-ish electric vehicles. Now, um, how big is this vehicle, Chad? So if you look at it in photos, you're going to say, oh, this is a compact hatchback. Um, it has a wheelbase that's longer than the Palisade. Wow. Oh, my God. Um, really? So, Yes. <laughs> Um, so it's definitely bigger. It's definitely bigger than you would think in photos. Um, I would, I mean, it's definitely a midsize, like what we consider midsize these these days crossover, um, with a, with a decent amount of room, both in the front and then in the, in the uh, second row, there's no third row option on this. Um, Hyundai has a bigger vehicle coming. Um, but it has, it's, the looks are straight out of like, 80s 8-bit nintendo land um it has it has like i forget how many total led pixels it has but it has these giant pixels throughout the vehicle for um for lighting for accent lighting around the lights for trim piece lights all sorts of stuff so from the outside it really looks like a very retro future um retro futuristic video v or vehicle i mean i'm sorry um yeah, it reminds me a little bit of that Honda E, I think it's called. Yeah, it does have Honda like E vibes. Adorable a, a little bit. Um, the Honda E is very round, and this is very square. Um, but definitely, it's a, the looks are polarizing. Like you either, I mean, there's some people who really don't like how it looks, um, and there's some people who adore it. I was driving through a, a park to to stop and get some photos, and there was this kid riding a bicycle, he's probably about 14, that nearly fell off. It was just, it was just, his jaw just dropped, and he's like, dang! And, like, hit a bump and almost fell off his truck. Or off his bike. <laughs> like a Wayne's um, World moment. Yeah. Honestly, that's probably one of our listeners. Probably. <laughs> you should apologize to them. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. Um, for driving a, a car by you. Um, in public. In public. But, this is... It's easily the best EV I drove last year. Wow. Um, what? Wow. All of, yeah. all of last year. All of last year. Um, I really liked the uh, Taycan Sport Turismo GTS, but that's also $140,000. So, so how, um, much, how much is, the, is, is this? All right. So the, um, it starts with basically there's an SE standard range, which is a rear-wheel rear drive model that gets 220 miles of range. Before the $7,500 federal tax credit in the United States, it's $40,925 uh, with delivery. Um, and pricing goes all the way up to $55,725 for a limited model with 320 horsepower and all-wheel drive with 256 miles of range. And range, which model did you, did you end up driving? So we were all driving the all-wheel drive limited ones. Okay. So the, the 55, 55, 56 grand, which is still cheaper than the base price of a Model Y that you can get these days um, for nearly as much performance. Um, not as, not quite as much range, but just a, a very good driving experience. The Ionic doesn't try to be particularly sporty. I mean, it's quick. You put your foot down, it's, it's electric, it, it goes. But it's tuned a little bit more for that comfortable family car cruising kind of thing. Um, it is super quiet inside. 
um, and has all of the the tech that I think we all like in modern Hyundai vehicles. So, um, it, it, it's they're even running a new version. I don't know if you guys had a chance to to use it yet. I don't know what other cars it's on, but Hyundai's Highway Drive Assist 2.0, yep. um, which will actually do automatic lane changes yep. on the highway. Um, and then there was an augmented reality heads-up display, which is new for Hyundai. Well, um, how augmented? Like, what are we talking about here? So it uses the HUD um, as you as you approach an intersection. It starts showing a series of flashing arrows pointing sort of towards the direction you need to turn. And as you get closer to it, the arrows get larger. And if I don't so, follow those arrows, nothing bad will happen, right? Well, I mean, you're going to get lost. Or see, when, you know. when I hear augmented reality, though, I tend to think of like I lo- I'm looking at a building and it tells me what's inside the building, or right. you know, I'm looking at a car it, beside me and it's the, telling me how much it, it costs, or I don't know. It's it's completely I expect- trivial information, man. Okay, there's a difference. You pull, no, it's not true. There's a difference between a, augmented reality and navigation. I guess that's what I'm saying. If you pull up to an intersection that has, let's say, five different, five or six different intersections at one light. The arrow should be pointing on the road, like visually on the yeah. road, down the the part of the route you need to take. But it won't tell you who's in the building over there if uh, if your favorite celebrity well, is. Frankly, I'm not interested if I don't get that full augmented reality experience. If I can't catch Pokemon through my windshield, then why right. are we even having this conversation? <laughs> Catching Pokemon through my windshield. That sounds like a mad, sick mix of Carmageddon and Pokemon Go. It sounds like the title for my next (laughs) mixtape. If you are a Pokemon Go player, though, and you want to stop and and play for a bit, especially while you're charging, um, it has basically the equivalent of a Ford Max recline seat with a little ottoman that pops out from the driver's seat. So, like, you can fully recline all the way back with an ottoman that pops up in in the driver's seat. Um... Which you're not going to be charging for long, but um, it's it's clever that they thought of that. There's a lot of space in the front because they don't give you. There's no transmission tunnel, so there's so instead of putting a, a center console sort of in all the way up to the dash, they leave that area open. Um, so, so I could lie really, lengthways across the width of the vehicle. You could, yeah, in the front, yeah, okay. um, as well as in the back, but. Uh, you know, there's no transmission tunnel or no exhaust tunnel, so the floor is completely flat all the way through. Um, there's just lots of space in this car. And Hyundai's done a really good job at honestly making it quiet, making it feel really expensive. So the switch gear and the materials and stuff don't feel any more premium than any other premium-ish Hyundai. Um, it kind of feels like maybe you're somewhere in between like a, a, a Palisade and... Um, um, Sorrento, okay, or not Sorrento, but uh, what's Hyundai's midsize? Um, Santa Fe, yes, not a, oh. it feels very like Santa Fe ish kind of build quality inside, um, which isn't bad, but it's just the seats are super comfy, um, it's plenty quick, uh, it'll charge from I think 10 to 80 percent in 18 minutes. Um, uh, what kind because, of charger? Uh, a CCS DC fast charger, uh, if you're because it has an 800 volt architecture. Which all of these new eGimp cars are 800 volt. It's, and and that's, um, that's pretty rare if I, if I it is. understand yeah. right now. Yeah, it is. Um, Porsche's using it. Uh, Hyundai's it, right? using it. Yeah, Audi's using it. Volkswagen is not. Um, and, and neither is Ford. And neither is Ford, correct. Um, but then Tesla is also not using 800 volt. Elon's promised it, but it's not there. Um, so Tesla will top out to the list. Yeah, Tesla's will top out at 250 kilowatts charging briefly. Um, this will sit at nearly 200 kilowatts for 
most of the charge cycle. Um, I, it, they claim it can charge all the way up to 350. That's not true. Um, I think it caps out at 235. But it just charges quick. Like 18 minutes from 10 to 80% is literally, I mean, it's not literally no time, but it's virtually plenty, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, you get 30 minutes of free charging. You get, 30, you get two years of 30-minute charging sessions with EA for for free included. So in theory, you would never have to pay for electricity on a road trip. I wonder if that's going to come to Electrify Canada as well, because they they should be very... Yeah, I would imagine. Well. No, we don't deserve it. What are the... Sorry, go ahead. I'm just going to say, it looks cool, and it mm-hmm. it... And it has a lot of really good family focused features and it's nice inside. I would say drawbacks here. What where does the interior the interior doesn't um it's very good at being functional, but it doesn't look as outrageous to the exterior. Like it loses like does it compare, say, to the Polestar, for example, Polestar two? Uh the Polestar two definitely feels more expensive inside. Okay. Um, I think when I think of the Polestar two, I think it's a very um it feels very modern and crisp and and very business kind of focused, like it feels very techy, like um, like something Jeff Bezos would drive. Um, Jeff Bezos uh, hasn't driven in fifteen years. <laughs> um, the the Ionic just being just definitely being a, a victim of being bigger. Um, just feels a bit more airy. It feels like it has a bit more space. Um, it's a bit softer of a color palette. Um, but I mean, I'm I mean, into that. Like, like I don't, I don't necessarily want like a a crisp and futuristic interior if it's going to hurt me or yeah. look weird, yeah. you know, like while I'm driving. The, like the, will... the biggest, yeah, the biggest complaint of people that were driving it though, they're like, "Hey, this thing looks bonkers on the outside, and there's nothing um, bonkers on the inside." Or remember when which BMW? Sorry, go on. No, which I'm going to say I'm fine with. Remember when yeah, BMW long, made long. the made the i3 bonkers on the inside and the outside, and people could yeah. not handle it. Um, okay, yeah. I, the but reason this I is definitely—it's wanted... not a sporty car. Um, the EV6 will be the sporty of the two, um, and then the GV60. But yeah, so I have a—we had a—we had a, someone write in recently with a question just before the holidays, and we're getting to it now because we did take a break over New Year's. Uh, Neil wrote to talk about how he—he's a person, or they're—they're they're a person. Who has been, you know, they're an enthusiast. They they daily drove to a C6 Corvette in the summer months for a decade. Uh, they've owned Suburbans, so they understand, you know, what it's like to own a bigger vehicle. They're currently driving a Sorento that they like and find comfortable. But the the next purchase for them is going to be an electric SUV. And they wrote saying that they drove a, a Macan Turbo and were underwhelmed. Uh, Polestar 2 was good and refined, just a little cramped. They were not impressed by the Tesla Model Y, despite it being fast, but they really liked the GV70 and the GV80, and they also liked aspects of the e-tron. So they they, they asked the question, should, Neil Neil wants to know, should they wait for an electrified GV70, the the new Audi Q6 e-tron, or an updated e-tron slash Sportback S? Wanted to know what we thought. We talked about this a little bit before the podcast started, Chad, but you felt very strongly about what vehicle would best meet Neil's needs. Ionic 5. So the, the, all, all that you've just said about the vehicle really kind of points to exactly what they're looking for. Yeah. I, I would tend if, to agree. If the if your listener um, wanted something a bit more premium, then maybe wait for the Genesis, the GV60. Which will be very which similar is, in size and performance, perhaps, perhaps cool. quicker, but... 
Yeah, just like EV6 will be a little bit quicker as well, um, which is also a bit more performance-oriented. But definitely one of these eGMP cars, by far, is what you should be looking at. The 800-volt architecture isn't it isn't future-proof, but it's way more future-focused than most of the other EVs on sale right now. Um, so, you get, so you get fast charge chimes, which is what you want. Overall range matters to an extent, but unless you can drive... 300 miles without having to stop um odds are you're going to be stopping so um what's more important to me having lived with evs pretty regularly now for a while is how fast they charge how quickly they charge if you're stopping at a rest area use the restroom buy a buy a beverage walk back out you know that's that's a 10 to 12 minute process um you've almost re- completely recharged one of these EGMP cars in that time. So then you're capable of going off and tackling another, you know, 200, 250 miles, which that's a big deal. You're not sitting there for an hour. You're not some of these other cars, let's say um, Polestar two, which actually I really like will only peak at 155 kilowatts. Uh, Maki 150 uh, ID4 Volkswagen's ID4 is caps at 125 kilowatts. Like those are faster than a leaf at 50 kilowatts, but it's not compared to something as quick as quickly charging as what Ionic five EV six or GV 60 will do. And as batteries become larger in size, this is going to become increasingly more important. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, that that's. I mean, that sounds like a pretty definitive answer, Neil. I hope that helps out with your decision, and hopefully, you can get behind the wheel of the Hyundai and try it out sometime soon, or maybe wait for the Genesis. Yeah, and if if for some reason you are in an area where you just can't get the Hyundai, um, the Audis are good. Um, yeah. For sure. I drove the Sportback, the Etron Sportback. I found it pretty nice. Um, I don't know if it charged as fast. Um, I don't believe that yeah. you got to be careful which one did you go with too because like, i think the gts charge quickly right yeah the gts are 800 volts yeah. like the tycon but like let's say like the q4 for example that's running the id4 platform so that will that caps out at 125 okay yeah so this is interesting stuff because it's not immediately obvious when you're shopping these vehicles no you know especially if you're looking at a single brand like audi that's using multiple platforms right that have multiple charge rates. So it's yeah. this, we're starting to get into a world where you can't just look at range and, and horsepower anymore. You kind of have to dive a little bit deeper and figure out what aspects of that EV matches your lifestyle or your use And if you, were, if you were just going in and just leasing a car for two or three years, maybe it won't matter. Because you can move much. on to the next tech, right? Right. But um, your listeners are probably pretty savvy. And I don't know whether he's going to... Lo- buy or lease but it just at this point i have a hard time regardless of how good a lot of those 400 volt cars are um is i wouldn't i wouldn't get one that's not an 800 volt at this time just because i value that charge speed more than overall range okay well i i have a vehicle i want to talk about that doesn't charge um and has no ev component in fact, in fact wow you're the, telling people to tune out essentially in, in fact the company it. that makes it recently removed the plug-in hybrid model from the lineup <laughs> so <laughs> they're heading in a bit of a different direction but uh, i spent two weeks with the bmw x3 m40i which uh, has been re- like mildly refreshed for 2022 and i want to say i i have to backtrack my my statement because there is a somewhat of a electrical upgrade that was made to this model 
And it's really the only mechanical change, and that's a 48-volt system, electrical system, that is now standard with the X3. So, uh, sorry, at least with the, the turbocharged six-cylinder X3, which is what I drove. So there's that. But in, in general, this is a an update to a vehicle that is mostly kind of, you know, larger grille, different headlights, different taillights. And the interior was kind of reconfigured, but not in a way you would notice unless you were, like, an X3 superfan. <laughs> so... It's 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 more of what we like about the X3 with a 48-volt system. I drove a lot in this vehicle. I put about 1,100 miles on it, and a lot of that was highway, but uh, there was also kind of like a, I, I went to the part of the country where I grew up, and that's very mountainous, two-laney, snow uh, mixed with fresh, sorry, fresh pavement, with clear pavement. So I, I drove it in a bunch of different situations, and uh, I, I like the X3. Um, the thing for me though, that stood out about this, have you, have you driven it, Chad or, or, or Sammy? I think Sammy has. Yeah, I've driven it. I haven't driven the new one, the refresh. Okay. Well, it's, it's not super different, but for for me. They made uh, some pretty good improvements on the interior. I mean, I don't know. Trim wise, it's a little different looking inside and they changed the leather, but it's not like you look at it and you're like, wow, this is dramatically different. Like it's still, it's still more of the same goodness from before that that's kind of the impression I got. But uh, what 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 stood out for me while driving this vehicle is over the last little while they become increasingly disenchanted with high performance SUVs because of how rough they ride, mm-hmm. and these are big heavy vehicles even in the smaller you know segments that are being given suspension systems that are so stiff because they think we're going to be doing some kind of track activity with them that when you drive them on regular roads it is not pleasant like an X3M. Or, you know, a track hawk or vehicles of that nature. Am I crazy in thinking this, guys? No, a lot of EVs are the same way, too, because they have to be a heavier spring rate for the weight of the batteries. Um, which is why I appreciate certain vehicles being able to still focus on comfort. But, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I don't need, I don't want a sporty edge on everything i drive no 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 and i think that you know the x3 you know it has has a full-on m version and then it has the m light version which is the m40i and so many people have ragged on bmw being like oh you're diluting the brand by by making these lowercase m editions of vehicles but really i don't think you can make a dilution argument when you're talking about an m version of an suv like it is you're already there so what i was most focused on was is this vehicle going to be enough of what an M car has to offer without punishing me in the process. And I kind of came away feeling that it did. So it's got 382 horsepower, I believe, is the, the figure for this. Um, they, they, they didn't change. Yeah, 382 with 369 pound-feet of torque, which is the same as the year before without the 48 volt. But it, it does 0.60 in like 4.4 seconds, which is one second slower than the X3M, which is totally crazy in my mind. <laughs> but I don't see any need to be any quicker than that. I mean, who who is getting groceries that quickly? I, if you want to get groceries that quickly, according to Chad, you should be in a Lightning. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, what, Lightning's three and a half seconds to oh, 60, I think. Wow, so that's a, that's, that right. is a tough decision. Four or four seconds, I don't know. Um we've talked about I, I think even on an episode that i was on but these are just designed to make more money for yeah. bmw yeah for sure um i just what i what i can't figure out though is why when we move up the money train at least with, with uh um bmw specifically is why do we have to focus more 
on the sporty side of things. I, I like agree why, with you because, you know, yeah. we used to have, if you look at the three series, for example, you used to be able to get like what comfort line and, or whatever X, X line, then all sorts of different lines for the, for, for Audi did this too. And, and Mercedes, it was like, you could go in a different direction. You could go sporty or you could go like grandpa car, or you could go just middle of the road commuter. Right. And that seems to have disappeared. You, you either get the you either get the four cylinder, or you get the six cylinder, which is sporty, or the X three M, which is like a hammer that's slamming your kneecaps every time you hit the gas. Right. So I I think that in terms of compromise, I like the idea of the X X three M forty. It it is a little bit stiffer than I would have liked in certain situations. Like if you're on rough road, you know you're on rough road, but it didn't beat me up. And I put a lot of miles on it. It was very comfortable in that respect. I got 25 miles per gallon combined, which is impressive for such a powerful engine. My only real complaint about the drivetrain, and I don't know if this is related to the new 48-volt setup, is that off the line, the throttle can be super jumpy. Like, and it catches you by, it caught me by surprise, too, where sometimes, I thought it was, at first it was because I was driving with boots and I wasn't used to the boots I was wearing, but it seemed almost random where sometimes it would leap off the line and other times it would drive normally. And you can't turn the auto start stop on and off anymore. At least I couldn't figure out how to do that. Whereas you used to be able to, it was a very simple button push on a lot of older BMWs. So I'm, I'm leaning towards the extra torque of the 48 volt system, making this situation the way it is. But I, that's kind of just a feeling. And probably bad calibration. Yeah, it might just be, I don't know, getting used to it? I don't know. I didn't experience anything similar to that. Well, maybe you don't have the uh, the trigger foot that I have. Maybe that's maybe. my problem. Oh, you know what? I drove, I did not drive the six-cylinder. I drove the four-cylinder model. Oh, okay. So that's a completely different experience. Because that one, I don't think, has the 48-volt mild hybrid system. No, I, it doesn't. At least not yet. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but you spent a lot of time in this car. That was, that's the, those were the complaints you had. That's really, that's really the only complaint. The other, the other complaint is the wireless, uh, Android auto. So Sammy actually said, not Sammy, but uh, a friend of ours, um, Derek convinced me, he's also an auto journalist convinced and, you know, general all around great guy convinced me that I needed to be using Android Auto and I should give it another chance because I was a dinosaur and all sorts of stuff like that. So I did give it another chance. And in the BM- I have to say it is better than it was the last time I used it. Which but was I- like five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so no <laughs> surprise there. But uh, the BMW system is wireless, as I discovered. And it used 1% of battery life for every minute I had the screen on. Wild. <laughs> it was crazy and if you were using nav it would be even faster than that and my phone would get super hot and there's no other option like it's wireless or nothing right so bmw has a wireless charging pad in the vehicle to i guess you know counteract this effect but my my phone is a one plus it's like a couple of years old it doesn't have wireless charging so i ended up having to plug in anyway <laughs> and that kind of felt like i just kind of felt like a loser <laughs> and I, I don't want to feel like a loser it didn't work. It, oh, you don't have wireless. Sorry, you just went on that. Okay. Yeah. Forget about it. Not yeah. every phone has that. And it's not It's not a standardized thing. Um, right. So that was kind of frustrating. It, it did work well otherwise, though. I mean, it's a pretty decent system uh, in, in the BMW. And I didn't have maybe only a handful of connection problems, like where it wouldn't connect. I think it only happened once or twice across two full weeks, which is pretty impressive. Okay. The uh, other, would the, you recommend... Sorry, Would you on. recommend it over any of its competitors? Well, that's that's an interesting question. So I definitely I think the X3 is usually among the best in its class. 
I really recommend it over the X3M. It's $12,000 cheaper at the base price, yeah. and we both know that with options, that M is going to be really expensive. So I think value-wise, it is the sweet spot of the BMW X3 lineup, especially now that the plug-in hybrid is gone. But Chad makes a great point about how you know, you're know you going to be paying for some sportiness that you maybe don't want, and the four-cylinder is there. Uh, comparing it to... Other crossovers in its segment, I would say that I would prefer a Genesis GV. Um, I don't know if I'd like a GV70 more, but I would say it's as good. Yeah, and, I think the GV70 is great. I mean, I don't think we can go an, an episode of the podcast now without mentioning a Genesis product <laughs> well, as, the, a, as a solid alternative. So the GV70, I, I like the GV80 more, but that's more of an X5 competitor, I think. Yeah. Um, the GV70 is as good, more comfortable, I think. Just, okay. it, the suspension wasn't as rough when I wasn't booting it around in the Genesis. So if that's an issue for you, definitely check out the Genesis alongside the X3. But there's there's almost nothing about this X3 that makes me say, "Whoa, you don't want to you don't want you right. don't want to put this on your test drive list." Like this there's, there's no gutches here other than the price, it's 57,000 uh as a starting number and you're probably looking at mid 60s once you have the options you want. So it's not cheap. Um, and an X5 is very much like the X3, just bigger. <laughs> so it's almost competing with itself there. And if you're going to be putting a lot of options on the X3, you might want to look at an X5. And then where does it end, right? <laughs> where does it end, of course? Where does it end? So, it's, you know, wrapping it up, it's a vehicle I liked. I do recommend it. I think the Genesis is a good foil to this vehicle. I think that the, the BMW is, you know, leaps ahead of anything from Lincoln, Acura, Lexus, or Infiniti in this segment. Uh, so it's definitely one of the leading lights. Cool. I th- I do think, I agree with you on that. I think it's usually among the best. I think Genesis is up there. I don't know if the Mercedes GLC is as competitive as it used to be. Um, I would almost say the, the Volvo... Um, I think it's the XC60 is the best competitor to it. I, really? You strong. don't think it's a 40? I think the 40's too small. Yeah, I think I it goes up against an X1 or X2. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think the I don't think I don't look at the XC40 and think subcompact. Okay. I've driven that XC60 though with the new T8 that's coming. Yeah. And who boy is that good? Cool. It is really good. So um, it's a T8 or a B8. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> the B8. I'm sorry, okay. it's the B8. It's the new the 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 new the new new one you can't buy yet. I definitely right. think that the Volvo is an interesting option for people who you know aren't looking for sportiness. Right. I yeah. think that's exactly it. Yeah. And, and and when I say that, I don't want it to seem like the Volvo is bad to drive because it's no. not. I just no, but it, it caters to a more comfortable driving. Right. Experience. Yes, exactly. And yeah. I I think you know when you were talking about comparing that to like Mercedes and stuff. Um, I. I just like modern BMWs. I like driving them, but I also think the interior uh, quality tends to be a tiny bit better in a lot of cases. Um, the infotainment maybe isn't as good as something you're going to find in, let's say, Audi. But I, it's it's you're not going to go wrong by buying it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's one of those weird instances where you know we've always complained about. BMW going soft with vehicles like the 3 Series and the 2 Series into, instead of making them sporty like they used to be. And now here we are talking about the X3 and like kind of dinging it for not being as soft as we want it to be. So I think the, the real takeaway here is we're impossible to please and no multi-billion dollar corporation should attempt <laughs> to do that. Well, in my dream world, and then we can finish, but in my dream world, like I want like a, C, a C-Class, like a Mercedes C-Class 
with like S class amenities. So I want the small. I want the smaller yeah. car. You want to move to China, yeah. basically, where you can get that. Yes, correct. Yeah. Chi- yes. Chi- the Chinese market is filled with small cars that are super comfortable because people are being driven rather than yeah. driving. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I would love to see a fully kitted out small car. Like I, I know that a small car is built is sometimes built that way to to, to meet a price point, but. Uh, I think minis do this very well, right? Like you can have a very well-equipped Mini Cooper, right? Well, let me tell you, Sammy, yeah. why we don't have these cars that you're you're listing Nobody after, and that's because them and they cost so much money. A very long time ago, a company called Cadillac oh. <laughs> created a car called the Cimarron. Yeah, the Cimarron was everything you wanted it to be, Sammy, but it was sure. everything no one else wanted ever. <laughs> And then, then they try to follow it up with the Katera, right? Oh, yeah. Well, the Katera is a whole other kettle of fish. I mean, the Caddy the Ziggs is, is persona non grata on this podcast. What's yeah. funny is um, I had a friend whose boyfriend had one or his parents had one, and she, he was, like, super proud of it. And this was back in the early 2000s when – just before the CTS had come out. So it was just – I remember just feeling so ashamed for, for that person every time they would peacock about their, their parents' Katera. And apologies to any Katera owners out there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm apologizing for a lot with that statement. But <laughs> but, uh, but no, for some reason, we, we also associate a luxury with size. Yeah. And I don't think we need to, but that's just – I mean nobody's going to buy a C-class with S-class amenities. They just want an S-class. I mean, so, we'll never know because these companies are all cowards and they're not taking yeah. advice from impossible to please people like us. Correct. Yeah. I mean, um, obviously, I don't mean – I mean, these companies are all very brave and making <laughs> – maybe we should just move on. Yes. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about today, Ben? I mean, other than retracting my previous statement, Perrin, no, I think I'm good. Okay. What about uh... – are you going to patent that uh, Pokemon Go Carmageddon game? I'm afraid of the lawsuits that would follow <laughs> if I was able to create a video game system that projected exclusively through windshields. <laughs> Especially if I started assigning points values to like things on sidewalks. Like I think that's a very dangerous path to go down. Hey, but you could go what BMW did at CES, which is debut this big, huge new screen inside the car. So. I, I just, just love another way. screen. I think that the Grand Wagoneer now has enough screens for everyone. I feel like we've hit mm-hmm. peak screen. Until someone <laughs> takes the a, a full-length moonroof and makes that a screen, I think we're good. That's the, we're close. I feel like we're close. Well, my augmented reality in my dream world chat would be to extend the seat on that that you that you mentioned in the Hyundai. Look up through that through that giant. Uh, I assume it has a giant. Um, it does. It does. So yeah. it has a big moonroof, and then I would have like I would be looking at the stars, and it would identify them for me and show me constellations and all kinds of cool stuff like that. I think that's that's the augmented reality. I don't need arrows. I don't need practicality. I need a star show. You know, they make apps for that for your phone. Exactly. Right? But I but, want it in my car. Well, when you're when you're driving next year, when you're driving around in your car in the metaverse, <laughs> then you'll be able to. No, there are no stars that. in the metaverse, Chad. <laughs> yes. It's just black. Just blackness <laughs> when you look up. Blackness and logos. That's right. All right. So if you want to see our logo. 
You can do that by going to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And at that website, which is more than just a logo, you can subscribe to us using various podcatchers. We're everywhere. Apple, Google, um, oh, there's two of them, Spotify, CastBox, Amazon, all that fun stuff. We have little buttons on the website where you can click and subscribe. Or you can just listen to older podcasts right from the website itself. We have like almost 260 now. So that's a lot of time to spend with me, Sammy, and occasionally Chad. Uh, you can also find us on any podcasting service. Just type Unnamed Automotive Podcast, and we will be right there for you. Yeah, and if you go to our website, you can also get in touch with us. There's a contact form there. You just fill that out, um, and it lands in our inbox. If, for whatever reason, you don't want to do that, instead you want to reach out to us over social media, uh, where there are a lot of voices being uh, projected at once, you can do that very easily. You can hit us on Instagram. You'll find Ben there. He's at Hunting Benjamin. Or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. You can also find Chad at those two um, platforms, right, Chad? Where would you like people to reach out to you? I mean, if they want to find me on Twitter, I am just at my name, which will be in the show notes. Or um, really just go to evpulse.com, click on all the links while you're there, click on some ads, watch some videos, you know. Help, help me make money. Definitely and check out evpulse.com. There's a ton of good stuff there. This site is at the forefront of EVs and uh, not just EVs, but electrification and the consequences of it, like where we're going with charging infrastructure. Um, all the stuff that we talked about on the podcast today about charge rates that you're not going to find when you're just reading a standard review about an electric vehicle. This is the kind of stuff that EV Pulse really drills down on. And really also, we have both my lines from both Sammy and Ben there. So... You know, it's not a bad place to be. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and additionally, to our listeners, if you've made it this far, you must like what we do. So why not go to uh, Ko-Fi, that's ko-fi.com slash Unnamed Automotive Podcast, and uh, ring our little tip jar there. Thank you to tip everyone who has done jar? that over the past month. Yes, thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate it. And uh, Ben, what are we talking about next week? Next week, I'm going to be talking about a vehicle that I've actually had a few people reach out to me um, on social media about this week. And that's the Jeep Grand Cherokee L, which is not only the redesigned Grand Cherokee for 2022, but it's the long wheelbase one with the third row. Jeep is trying this again, and we're going to see if second time's the charm when it comes to a three row with the Jeep brand. And I'll have the new Corolla Cross. Toyota Corolla Cross. What do, you, right. what do you think about that? That's another car. Right? I try not to think about it that, until you bring that it is up. A car, that is a car without a rear windshield wiper, I believe. <laughs> what, wait, what? Mine, has, mine has a wiper. Does it? I thought, yeah. I thought it didn't have them. No, see, what he know. did was Toyota offers you this. Uh, you can 3D print a wiper. Yeah. Oh, okay. To the back. And well, they did, there's no motor. <laughs> well, they, they are going to charge you to be able to remote start it. So Yeah, you know. yeah. Them's the breaks. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, goodbye, everybody. Take care. See ya.